Amen. Certainly great truth. The more you uh, turn to the Lord, the, the more the things of the world really don't appeal to you. And uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Jeremiah chapter 32. And as you're turning there, if, uh, if you missed our revival services this week, uh, this, last week, uh, then you missed it. You just did. Uh, there's no good way to go back and recoup that. Uh, the messages are online. I, not all of them yet, but uh, they will be online. Uh, we do have uh, our, I try to put all of our audio messages on uh, our webpage. And uh, we keep them up on YouTube for a short time, but then I usually take them all off of there. And, uh, and so they're not on there terribly long, but uh, they are on YouTube. And then we'll upload them to our audio side of things as well. And uh, boy, you missed a blessing if you missed it. You go back and you can go back and rewatch it. You can re-listen to it, and I encourage you to do that. But it's kind of like eating leftovers, okay? Uh, it is just best served hot and fresh, and uh, and right from the uh, the beginning. And so, uh, so if you missed it, you missed a great opportunity. And uh, we had a good services every time, and certainly appreciate the Rogers being here. Um, as you're turning to Jeremiah 32, let me just say one more thing. Uh, I will be gone next week, all right? Uh, I will be preaching in South Carolina, uh, but I want to encourage you, be in your place, okay? Uh, I got a busy week, so I would ask that you pray for me this week. I will be, I will be here Wednesday. I'll be here tonight. I'll be here Wednesday, uh, normal. But Thursday, I'll be preaching in another church here in Ohio. And then Friday, uh, we start a missions, I start a missions conference in South Carolina on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'll be preaching a missions conference, and then I'll be back up here on Monday. Uh, and so pray for me as I got a lot going on. Lot, lot, and then that Monday night, actually, I'm teaching up at Heritage. I've been teaching up there on Monday nights. And so uh, busy week, but uh, praise the Lord. There's nothing like being in the, in the Lord's service and uh, serving the Lord. That's certainly a blessing. This morning in Jeremiah chapter number 32, uh, I want to encourage you that, that as we look at this chapter, it is a blessing. It's amazing when you read the Bible, it's amazing at how good God truly is. Sometimes we read the Bible and sometimes uh, we can see all the bad, we can see the judgment, we can see the, the things, but this morning uh, we can see some goodness of God and it's emphasized in Jeremiah chapter 32 Verse number 17, we'll just read a couple of verses here, and I'll try and give you the context of the full story uh, as we read and as we go through this. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and, and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers unto the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name, great in counsel and mighty in works. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give every one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day, and in Israel among other men, and has made thee a name as at this day, and has brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror. 
thou hast given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and possessed it, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law. They have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. And God, certainly you have been so good to us as, uh, as Christians. And God, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your compassion to us. God, I pray as we look at this passage, God, I pray that we would not be like the nation of Israel that turned their back on you, but God, that we would uh, continue to keep you in, in, our, in our life and, and in our uh, gaze and in our look, Father, that we would, as the song said, turn our eyes upon Jesus and look fully at your wonder and at your grace and at your amazement and at your love. Father, I pray that you would just bless each and every person. I pray that you would use me. Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, certainly he focuses on the goodness of God right in the beginning of this passage. And, uh, and actually, we're right in the middle of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because a lot of sadness takes place in the book of Jeremiah. And oftentimes, uh, he, he's grieved and he's plagued by God's judgment on the nation of Israel. And certainly that's true in this passage as well. But he reminds them, he takes them back to the goodness of God and how God has blessed him, the nation of Israel. And so I want us to look at that briefly this morning. And the Bible says there in, in, in verse number 17, I want you to notice God's provision uh, for the nation of Israel. Notice how he starts off there in verse number 17. He says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out their arm and there is nothing too hard for thee. I love that verse. It is attributed over and over and over in the Bible that God created the world. You can find it in the book of Psalms. We find it in the book of Jeremiah. You can find it in the New Testament. You can find it over and over and over. Why is that so important? Probably because God knew at some point along history uh, that man would try and uh, steal uh, the creation of God from God. And say, well, the world just kind of evolved. Uh, listen, my friend, the Bible tells us in more than just the book of Genesis that God literally created the heavens and earth. And you say, preacher, do you believe that was in six literal days? Yes, I believe it was in six literal days because the Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. Listen, that is a praiseworthy thing. That's what he starts off with. He's saying, hey, the creation, uh, the fact that God made everything that is. I'm continually amazed. Uh, by creation. I absolutely love nature. I love science. I love uh, to look at things and, and especially all those critters. And as I look at all of them, I, I think to myself, man, it is amazing how God created those things. 
As I even even our human body and anatomy, it amazes me how God designed and created our body to function as it does. It's really quite a marvelous thing. Uh, and that's all things that we see. Man, we have, you don't even get out of, out of the universe and start looking at all the stars and I can't even begin to comprehend how big everything is and, and how immense it is. And yet we have an amazing God. Listen, our, our government and our educational system, uh, they want to deny God of His creation. But the Bible constantly brings up the fact that God created everything that is. And I love the, uh, the phrase that ends in that verse number 17. He says, there is nothing too hard for thee. Boy, what a great phrase. I mean, you read the Bible and you'll find time and time again that God has defied uh, the, the, some of the laws of nature. I mean, just opening up the Red Sea, there's kind of a law of nature that was broken there. I mean, the walls of, of the water formed walls on either side and they went across on dry ground. And, and that's an amazing thing that took place. Why? Because, listen, there's nothing too hard for God. We look at things and, and He brings up creation to understand and realize if you know that God uh, created us and He created everything that exists, then listen, there's no problem that's too big for God to handle. And we ought to be reminded of what a great Creator. I love the way He starts it out. He says, Ah, Lord God. Just, uh, just as a breathing of a sigh of relief and just to realize His power and His ability in creation. We find His creation in the provision. Not only that, but look there in verse number 18. He says, Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands. Well, you see the compassion. Of God, He's referring to the nation of Israel and how God chose them and brought them out, and and that's the implication that He's dealing with. And and boy, what a uh, what an amazing God that would create the entire world and then love mankind who falls into sin. You know, I've often said, uh, if if I were God and we're all glad that I'm not, trust me, you're glad and I'm glad I'm not God, because. Way back in the garden, when Adam and Eve messed up, if I were God, start over. I mean, how, how hard would that be? You're talking to people of your creation that are gone and lost, but that's not what God did. God said, hey, I, want to, I love these people, and I want to see people that will love me and will choose me. And he showed loving kindness and mercy unto us. Go with me. Save your spot here in Jeremiah, but go with me to Romans chapter number 5. And I want you to see these verses. I was reminded of these verses as I read them this week. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 6. The Bible says this, Romans 5, 6. These verses are, are incredible verses. It says in verse, Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died 
for the ungodly. In other words, hey, when we were, when we were unlovely, when we were unlovable, when we, we did not like God, we did not even like the thought of God, uh, and we, we enjoyed our sin, uh, God absolutely loved us and He died for us even while we were in sin. Go on with me to verse number 7. He says this, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. He's saying in verse number 7, hey, if there's a good guy, uh, listen, some people may, may die in their place. In other words, hey, they'd be willing to take a bullet for that person. They said, but somebody that's eh, mediocre, eh, even less people would be willing to take a bullet for that person. Um, and then he goes on, so he's using it as a comparison. He's saying, hey, if you were really good, some people would take a bullet for you. If you're eh, mediocre, some people still might take a bullet for you. But look at what he says in verse number 8. He says, uh, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, hey, when we uh, loved our sin and, and when we didn't love God and we were unlovable per se or not good people, that's when God said, hey, I love them and I want to die for them. And he's saying, hey, how good God has been to us for loving us, for his compassion. Back in Jeremiah chapter number 32 and verse number 18, he says, Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands. You go back through the nation of Israel, and we, we've in adult Sunday school class, we've been studying Bible characters of the Old Testament. Uh, we've gone through the life of Joseph, we've gone through the life of Jonah, we've gone through the life of Elijah, and, and you see some of the people, some of the characters that God has loved. And you say, man, they weren't all perfect. No, they weren't. Matter of fact, a lot of them made some really dumb mistakes in their life, some very serious mistakes. But yet you see the loving kindness of God that's displayed on the nation of Israel over and over. And he's reminding them, oh, how good God is because He loves us. Look at verse number 19. We see uh, His creation in verse 17. We see His compassion in verse 18. In verse number 19, He says, great in counsel. Oh, listen, the counsel of God. The, 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 the pages would not be able to, to tell all of it. I, I was just looking over the uh, song, uh, or Psalm chapter number 119. Excuse me. It's all about the Word of God. And man, it just goes on and on. You know, the counsel of God is good. It, it's just far better. Sometimes uh, over my, my time of life, people will come to me and say, well, what do you think? And sometimes I've not given good counsel. I try to. I want to, but sometimes, you know, you, you, you give something that's not, eh, maybe not the best of, of counsel to somebody. And you know what? The Word of God will never steer you in the wrong direction. Hey, the counsel of God is good. He says he's praising him here in verse 19. Great in counsel and mighty in works. And listen, the counsel of the Word of God. Hey, praise the Lord that we have the Word of God. Listen, the, the counsel of God will only do you good if you read it and if you obey it. 
if we don't, if we don't pay no attention to the counsel of God, then it's not going to help us. Uh, but the counsel of God is praiseworthy. He's talking about all the good things and how God had counseled the, old, the, the prophets in the Old Testament or through the prophets in the Old Testament. Listen, those Old Testament saints, they didn't have the completed Word of God. They had to depend upon the prophets. They had to depend upon the priests. They had the law, the first five books, and, and maybe some of the other books uh, as time would go on would eventually be written for them. But listen, they didn't have the whole counsel of God. Hey, we have the whole counsel of God today. Praise the Lord for that. We have so much more to our advantage. And, uh, and listen, he's praising God for great in counsel. He's saying, hey, God will never lead you astray. Look what he says in verse 20. We're talking about God's provision and His goodness to the nation of Israel. He says there in verse number 20, which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even unto this day, and in Israel, and among other men, and has made thee a name as at this day, and has brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and with wonders and with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror. He said, listen, what a great exit out of Egypt. If you know the story of Israel, how they, uh, of course, famine came on the land. And of course, Joseph was in Egypt and, and his story is phenomenal and how God brings him to power. Uh, and then the nation of Israel, uh, Joseph's dad and his brothers eventually move up to Israel or Egypt rather and they stay there in Egypt. And while they're there in Egypt, listen, uh, time passes, a lot of time passes and the Pharaoh dies off and a new Pharaoh that did not know Joseph rises up and he puts them in slavery and they spend 400 years in slavery. Listen, after that time, God raises up Moses and brings about a great miraculous thing. You go back, I love reading. They're probably some of my favorite passages to go back and read about the plagues of Egypt and, and Exodus all the way up to chapter number 13, probably one of my favorite chapters in the mighty hand of God and how He brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt and takes them right up to the Red Sea and the nation of, of Egypt is pursuing after them and the nation of Israel is at their wits end. They're pulling their hair out saying, oh no, what are we going to do? And God says, hey Moses, I want you to stretch out your staff over that Red Sea. Man, if there's the one miracle in heaven, that's the one I want to see. I just want to see that sea parted. I mean, you talk about something uh, phenomenal, and that's what he's talking about. He's reminding the nation of Israel, hey, you look back over your heritage. Remember how God uh, put those plagues on the Egyptian, and he did not put them on the Israelites. Remember how the, uh, the, the Egyptians had all these problems, the flies, the frogs, the lice, the, the boils, all the plagues that they had, and how God spared Israel from all of that and brought them up to the, uh, the, the Red Sea so that God could, could part the sea and bring the nation of Israel across on dry ground. It's amazing. And he's saying, God has blessed you. God has been good to you. God has provided for you. God has led you and been with you every step of the way. And he goes on and, and look at what he says there in verse number uh, 22 and 23. 
and has given them this land. Not only the creation, the compassion, the counsel, but a country, really, that He gave them. He gave the nation of Israel. This is, uh, this is the prophet of God, Jeremiah, reminding the nation of God how God has been so good to them and blessed them and provided them this land. Listen, the nation of Israel, it belongs to Israel. God said so. I don't have to say it. God did. Uh, and listen, uh, that's what God provided for them. He told Abraham, hey, wherever your, your, your soul or your foot touches, that's your land. And, and he gave them all of that land. And then when, when he led them back to that land, uh, he fortified Joshua uh, and, and gave them uh, all of that land back. They moved into... How, this is amazing to me. I thought... You know, if God would have left that land vacant for all that time, you know what would have happened? There would have been no gardens planted. Their houses would have been broken down, torn down, destroyed. No, no, no. God allowed all those people to inhabit that territory, to continue to process the land, to grow up gardens, to have houses that were furnished and taken care of, and houses that were repaired, so that when the nation of Israel came back and God moved them out, uh, that listen, uh, those houses were ready to move into, those gardens were ready to go out and pull the fruit off. We're talking about the goodness of God to Israel. He'd been so good to them. Hey, listen, God had blessed them phenomenally. But then look with me at verse 23. And they came in and possessed it, talking about the land that God had given them. But look at what it says. But they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law, they have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Therefore, thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. We see God's provision in verses 17 all the way down through 23. And God truly had blessed Israel and been so good to them. But I want you to notice here God's pronouncement of judgment upon Israel. Look in verse 28 there as we go down. Uh, you actually see it there. It starts there and it goes all the way down. But look with me in verse 28. He gets down to it. And he says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. In other words, God's saying, Hey, I'm going to let them come in, and I'm going to let them conquer the land. And I'm going to allow them to take it. Why? Because they had sinned. Look at the condemnation that he gives them. Uh, we see the conquering of the Chaldeans. We see the condemnation in verse 29. And the Chaldeans shall, that, that fight against this city shall come and set fire on this city and burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal and poured out drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. God pronounces a judgment upon His beloved people, His beloved nation, Israel. And He says, hey, I'm going to allow the Chaldeans to come in and to conquer this land. Not just to conquer it, I'm going to allow them to destroy it and to burn down your houses and to cause all kinds of havoc and destruction in your land. We see His pronouncement of judgment. But I want you to notice, what was it that provoked God to anger? We need to understand that so that we don't recreate the same thing. Look with me in the next verses. In verse number 30, the Bible says this, 
the next page for me. The Bible says in verse 30, For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, saith the Lord. And God's provocation uh, was this, in that the, they had raised up a generation that knew not God and that was doing evil in everything that they did. You see here several times the children of Israel, the children of Judah. In the Bible, uh, it's often referred to as the, the nation or the children of Israel. So I'm not taking that to mean the young people. But that phrase in verse number 30, that's around the middle of the verse, he says, uh, for the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. In other words, hey, their children were growing up in wickedness. Their children were growing up doing the things that the heathen nations round about them. Uh, sin had become so common and so corrupt that their children had been corrupted in Israel. What a sad state of affairs. Hey, listen, I fear we're not far from it. I mean, you look at our nation, it, it, it bothers me. It used to be, and we're not talking, I'm not that old. It used to be that they wouldn't cuss in the presence of kids or women. Now, and if a kid cussed, he got his mouth washed out with soap. Now, kids cuss and nobody even thinks nothing about it. Women cuss and nobody thinks nothing about it. I'm just saying that God was provoked to anger because the nation of Israel, their children from their youth were living in wickedness and living in sin. Hey, listen, the Bible says this, and Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Hey, God says, listen, those little ones, they're precious in His sight. And oh, what a responsibility to nurture the young people and bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. And listen, the nation of Israel had departed from that and they were teaching their children the wickedness and the vileness of serving other gods and worshiping other gods and doing other things. Look in verse number, we see in verse 30, the children were involved in sin. Look in verse 32. The Bible says this, because of all the evil of the children of Israel, that would be the nation of Israel, and the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen, not only was it that the children were involved in sin and that the, uh, they, had, they had corrupted themselves so much that it was commonplace, but it was commonality amongst all people. He starts out there condemning the kings and the princes. Listen, that's civic leadership. That's the government that's in control. And he's saying, hey, listen, they are wicked and vile. I don't have to tell you what they're, they're like today. We're, we're in the same boat. 
But he goes on and says it's not just the civic government, but it's really, this is a sad state in verse number 32. He says this, he says they're priests and they're prophets. Oh, listen, this, this bothers me more than the king and the princes. This bothers me more than the inhabitants of the land that he talks about because the religious leaders of the day were no better than anyone else. They were living in sin. They were worshiping false gods. They were doing all kinds of things. And listen, uh, the, the priests and the prophets are the ones that ought to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord against the wickedness of the day. You find the prophets in the Old Testament. Hey, we went through the life of, uh, of Elijah. You know what he did? He went up to the very king of Ahab and he said, Thus saith the Lord, it's not going to rain uh, for, until I say so because of the wickedness that's going on in Israel. He stood up to the king. That's up to the prophets. That's up to the priests. That's up to the religious leaders to stand up and say, hey, this is sin. Black is black. Wrong is wrong. Right is right. And we need to, we need to denounce sin as sin. And he's saying they weren't doing that. They had gotten away from that. Hey, their prophets and their priests were no longer denouncing sin. Matter of fact, they were practicing it. They were encouraging it. They were doing it. And the nation of Israel had provoked the anger of God upon them. You look around at many churches today. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about many, church, many religious institutions, if I could call it that today. They're not out to denounce sin. You, some of them, man, I just turn them on because, man, I want to feel better. To be honest with you, they're not preaching the Word of God. They're not denouncing sin. They're, they're all about making you feel really good and making sure that at the end of the day, man, you go away smiling so that you'll tune in tomorrow too. That's what they want. Hey, listen, that's not the job of the religious leaders of the day there to denounce sin. And God was upset and He was provoked to wrath because the government officials were corrupt, because the religious leaders were corrupt. Listen, it's no wonder you get down to the end of verse 32 and it says, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen, if somebody's not denouncing sin, you know what's going to happen? It's going uh, to be everywhere because nobody says it's wrong. Everyone says, well, it's just okay. I mean, if that's the way you want to choose to live, then you live that way. That's okay. If you think you're that gender, then you just do that. If you're a guy and want to marry a guy, then you just do that. Listen, that's wickedness. The Bible tells us that. God made two genders. He put Adam and Eve in the garden for a reason. Because there's a man, there's a woman, and that's who's supposed to be married. And listen, we need people that are, we need, we need churches that are going to be willing to denounce the sin of the day. There's just not enough of them, to be honest with you. You wonder why it's so prolific and why it's growing and why it's getting worse. Hey, listen, God was upset because they did not denounce sin. The commonality of sin provoked God to wrath. Look at verse 33. And you thought, boy, it can't get any worse. It does. Look at verse 33. And they have turned unto me the back and not the face. You know what they did? 
they turned completely from God. They converted. They said, we're not going towards God anymore. This is God's chosen people. This is the nation of Israel. These are the people that God provided for. These are the people that God had brought out of the nation of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. These are the people that God had opened up the Red Sea. These are the people that God had provided, that they moved into houses that were already uh, furnished and, and pulled fruit off of gardens that they didn't plant and that they didn't nourish. And, and He had provided for them every step of the way. And they have turned their back 100% on God. Go down to verse 34. We see not only did they convert completely to sin, they had turned their backs on God. Verse 34, but they set their abomination in the house which is called by my name to defile it. They corrupted God's house. They brought in false religions into, the, into God's house. God was upset. He said, this is not right. And so God sends judgment upon the nation of Israel. You look there, and, and God is truly good, because if, if we don't have time, but if we did, you go down through verse 36 all the way through the end, you see God's promise to bring Israel back. In verse 37, you see the convening of Israel. Look over there, we'll just briefly look at it. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries whither I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place. And I will cause them to dwell safely. Not only the convening of the nation of Israel will come back, but look in verse 39, we find, And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. Hey, listen, he's going to give them a change of heart. That's God's promise to the nation of Israel. He said, hey, I'm going to bring them back and I'm going to give them a change of heart. These, this is a true prophecy to the nation of Israel. But the message is real simple for us today. Hey, listen, there's so many parallels between the nation of Israel and us as Christians. Oh, listen, if you've been saved this morning and, and you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, you know what? He brought you out of bondage. He provided for you. He has taken care of you. He has blessed you. Man, we are so blessed. If you look back over your life and you count the goodness of God and you remind yourself of how God has blessed and how God has provided and how God has taken care of you and how God has changed your life, you would say, man, God's been good to me. The nation of Israel had to say that. Oh, we could say that. Listen... We need to be careful that we don't do like Israel did. Neglect the Word of God. Neglect the worship of God. Neglect the witness of God. You look at all of that, it says many times in the Old Testament, God did all of that with the nation of Israel that He would be known among the heathens as the God of all eternity, of the all-powerful God. That's how He wanted to be known. Well, listen, we have a great responsibility to the Word of God, not to neglect it, to the worship of God and praising Him for what He has done for us and to the witness among the world and saying, listen, we serve the one true God that is able to change our life. I don't want to be like Israel. If sin is allowed like there was in Israel, 
and permitted, it will become commonplace. And our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren will be corrupt. How do we keep it straight? Just follow the Word of God. It's that simple. You notice one of the first things they did, they, they did not obey. Uh, way back in verse 26, I believe it was, they did not obey the Word of God. They did not obey it. They left it. They departed from the Word of God. And oh, how we need to be careful that we adhere, we stick to the Word of God. Read the Bible. Spend time in the book. Spend time studying it. Spend time learning it because the Word of God will keep you straight. The Bible says in Psalm 119, I believe it's long of verse 9, uh, it says, um, How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Something of that nature. I think I butchered it, but the idea is there that, listen, we're to cleanse our ways by the word of God. That's the only way. Keeping to the word of God will cleanse our ways and keep us out of the judgment of God. He, he wants to bless us. He wants to be good to us. But when you play on God's grace for so long, you can kind of expect there's going to be judgment. You kind of expect you're going to hit the end of the road. Not that God doesn't love us, but he can only allow so much damage to his testimony, to his name. But he loves us. and He wants to bless us. Are we sticking to the word of God? With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, God has truly been so good to us. He's blessed us in so many ways. If you stop and think about his goodness, like he was good to the nation of Israel, oh, he's, been, he's blessed us. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. God, help us in our own lives to denounce our own sin. Help us to read your word. And God, not just to read your word, but to be a doer of your word. And God, to obey and follow and submit ourselves to you. God, we certainly don't want to invoke your wrath upon us. God, as a nation, you've been good to us. As a nation, we're blessed. Oh God, and on a national level, we are almost where Israel was. Turned our backs completely on you. God, there's still some churches standing. There's still some churches denouncing sin. I thank God for that. Help us to continue. God, I pray that there would be hearers of the word. That would heed and obey and follow you. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the heads bowed and our eyes are closed, song of invitations being played, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you just want to thank God for being so good to you, for loving you, for blessing you. Take a moment, think about how God has been so good to you in your life. Take a moment, think about His goodness. 
how he loves you and cares for you and really how big creation is and how tiny of a speck we are in his creation. And he loves us, cares about us, wants to bless us. The altar is open. If God's spoken to your heart, Bye. 